Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. Well, anyways, let's get into it. Uh, the title of tonight's sermon is to forgive or not to forgive. Um, and as I was kind of thinking about this, I'm kind of weird, but I thought back to the, you see it in movies or something sometimes where like there's this sad, sappy teenage girl and she's got like a flower petal and she's like, to love or not to love. And, you know, so it's kind of the same way with forgiveness. We wonder like, mm, you know, can I really forgive that person, you know, to forgive or not to forgive. But as we're going to see through scripture tonight, it, it's a commandment that we have to forgive people. So there's not a not an option about, you know, whether or not, you know, to forgive or not to forgive. There's really only one option, and that is that we have to forgive people. So I read a cool story. Uh, Thomas Edison, we've all heard of Thomas Edison. Light bulb, right? All right. So during the creation of the light bulb, I was reading it would take 24 hours to make one bulb. You know, it's a very slow process back back in those days. I bet we can make them a little quicker now. But anyways, he, he, he had this boy that would like run the bulb upstairs to the next guy. I don't know what this dude was doing to the bulbs, but it would take 24 hours, right, to make one bulb. Well, the boy was running upstairs and he dropped the bulb and the bulb broke. <laughs> you know, so there's 24 hours of work just gone. But what did Thomas Edison do the next day? He gave the same boy the same or a different bulb and had him do it again and that's just a, a simple display of forgiveness right that you know hey you did something it affected me but you know what I'm gonna give you this light bulb again because I, I forgive you and I trust you that you know you will not run so fast up the stairs with the light bulb the next time another story I was reading was about Corey Ten Boom anybody ever heard Corey Ten Boom from from the Netherlands right she became kind of famous during the World War II era. Um, her and her whole family, they were, they were hiding Jews. And she was put into a concentration camp, and she was the only one to survive. Well, there was this particular guard that kind of haunted her. You know, she never, think, think about that, being in captivity. You know, you would remember those faces. There was this one particular guard that really haunted her. Well, a few years later, I don't remember how long, but she was speaking, and she was looking out in the crowd, and she saw that guard was, was there, and he didn't really remember her, but he confessed to her, like, you know, years ago, I was an officer at a POW, or a concentration camp, um, and so she had to reconcile right then and there and had to forgive that guy, right? And think of how difficult that would have been, much more difficult than the light bulb, um, but man, what a powerful testimony that, that she was willing to say, hey, God's forgiven me. I have to forgive this guy or, or I'm a hypocrite. So let's read uh, quickly through Matthew 18. Um, I'm just going to read a few verses out of Matthew 18. It says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And so Right off the bat, there's something that I noticed when I was reading through this is Peter's got the wrong frame of mind. You know, he's like, how little, you know, uh, up to seven times, like basically meaning you know, that's the maximum, you know, that, 
that someone could sin against me and, and I will, you know, and forgive them. So he's kind of got the wrong frame of mind. He's looking at it from the wrong perspective. Like, I want to to uh, forgive the, the least possible. Like, you know, I I don't really want to forgive. That, that's really what Peter's insinuating here. He, he's got the wrong frame of mind as he's, as he's asking Christ this question. But then we see Jesus' response. Jesus said unto him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And so he completely, this probably completely shocked Peter. It was much different than, than what, you know, how Peter would have grown up. And that's why he was in the wrong frame of mind. And 70 times seven is really just a, a, um, a point of infinity, right? That's not really a, a number. That's Jesus saying unlimited amount of times you have to forgive someone. It's not optional. Then Jesus goes on to say, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle these accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, and this is us a lot of times, who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on, on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, just like he has you know, earlier in the story, and begged, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master, all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said unto him, You wicked servant, I forgive all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And he concludes, Jesus concludes by saying, So my heavenly father, also will do to will do to you so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses so we see here and that's how we live a lot of times jesus has forgiven us such a great magnitude of a debt and yet you know our, our brother does something and and we'll you know we grab him by the throat you know punch him a couple of times because we're angry right but God also has every right to be angry with us in the way that we behave. But most of the time, you know, there are, there are definitely accounts where God definitely gets, gets angry noticeably. But most of the time, he, he just shows uh, mercy, right? But unfortunately, that's not the, the human mindset. We, we have Peter's frame of mind most of the time. You know, how, how can I get away with forgiving the least amount possible? and still get by, uh, you know, up to seven times. You know, how can I get out of this? So as we look at the context surrounding the scripture, um, 
in the chapters preceding and following this one, Jesus is teaching the, uh, on church discipline and the topics of divorce and also remarriage. And both of these require forgiveness. So he, th this is perfectly placed in, in the gospel of, of Matthew. And the whole section is discussing forgiveness. As we look closer, Peter is asking a question, like I said, from the wrong frame of mind. And Jesus' answer to this question is quite staggering. 70 times 7, which I said is symbolic of infinity. So a big idea for tonight, one sentence. We can't, well, multiple sentences. We can't afford not to forgive, and there is nothing that shouldn't be forgiven. We can't afford not to forgive, and there is nothing that shouldn't be forgiven. So three things, just really, really quick, really fast tonight, three things that we need to analyze when we're thinking about forgiveness. Like I said, frame of mind. You know, Peter was all mixed up, was not asking the right question. Uh, two would be prayer and how we pray. And the third thing we need to look at with the topic of forgiveness is confession. So frame of mind, what is a, a frame of mind? Um, it's a particular way someone thinks or feels about a subject, right? That's their frame of mind on that topic. How do I feel or how do I think about it? And that's what Peter was bringing into it. So like I said, in verses 21 and 22, Peter was not yet in the right frame of mind and he did not understand the situation. And that's, that's what prompts Jesus to go into the parable. It was often a, a disciple asking a question that they didn't yet know because Jesus had not fully revealed everything to them. And so they're asking like, and they're often asking from the wrong frame of mind. And we still do that today. We ask the wrong questions. How little versus how much. You know, but we want to know how little Jesus is saying how much, right? And that's, that's the rub with our relationship with God in a lot of ways is, is we want to get by oftentimes with doing the, the least amount possible. But yet we still expect the fullest reward when Christ is saying, I want you to do the most possible. You know, how little versus how much. And here Peter was attempting to quantify forgiveness. You know, he was putting an amount, like a number. He was trying to quantify forgiveness, but we can't do that. Forgiveness shouldn't be quantified. You know, there's not, a, there's not a cutoff point a number of times, as Peter was suggesting. You know, you can only bad talk me eight times, and then you're disowned. You know, that, that's, not, that's not what the gospel teaches, and I would be disowned from a lot of people, probably, if, if that was the merits. But, but fortunately, right, I, um, we should show grace to each other, mercy and forgiveness, just as Christ has done for us. So the unforgiving servant, uh, he did not have the right frame of mind either. Like I said, he was more than willing to accept the forgiveness, but was very much less than willing to dish that same forgiveness out. He, he was all mixed up, had the wrong frame of mind. He expected, like I said, the most from Christ, but, but put the least out for other people. And, and that can't be how we operate. We have to have a godly frame of mind. Notice the large discrepancies also in the servant's debt load. The first servant, the evil servant, had a much larger debt load 
that he owed to the king, which is, is Jesus. He had a much larger debt load, and that king paid it. And then he went after a guy that, like the, the, the terms in the scripture, the two denarii are like a, a, a few pounds, whereas, you know, what he owed Christ was, you know, like millions of pounds. So there was a large discrepancy in the debt load. But we don't, we don't analyze that. We don't, we don't think about that. We think, well, that guy did something bad to me. You know, I got to do something bad back to him. And, and we might not think like that, but a lot of times we, we do try to get, get people back. And God is saying, no, like, you have to forgive them. Too often we hold others to a higher standard than we would hold ourselves to. And I think about the plank in the eye, right? So imagine you got a big plank in your eye at the same time that you're, you know, you're trying to instruct somebody else in the way that they should go. And this plank is, is causing you to destroy things, right? Think about a plank sticking out of your eye, literal plank as you're walking around a room. You can't see. This plank is going to be running into stuff. You're going to be obnoxious. And a person who won't forgive someone gets very obnoxious. You know, it's a topic of every conversation. And I, I've been this person. And you've probably been on the receiving end of someone like that. It's the, every conversation you have with the person, it's about their unforgiveness. And they, they don't even realize it, but that's really what it is. And, and we have to be able to help each other move past those things. So let's look at Colossians 3.13. Like I said, we have to help each other. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. So you must do. There's not an option, right? Must. You know, we talk about all. All means all. Must means must. Right? It's the same thing here. Basic English. But we don't think about it like that a lot of times. But it's a commandment, and it's a sin not to forgive. But above, but above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. So forgiveness leads to love, right? You, we must forgive, then we must embrace love. And it's no surprise that love is mentioned with this frame of mind and forgiveness, right? Having that right frame of mind, being willing to forgive someone who does not deserve it. It's not about them deserving. They probably don't. <laughs> they did something bad to you. They don't really deserve forgiveness, but... We have to forgive those people anyways and embrace love. Uh, number two, we have to analyze forgiveness through prayer and how we pray. Let's look at Matthew 6, very common passage, but there's a part in it that we overlook a lot of times. In, in this manner, therefore, pray. And so Jesus here is uh, instructing the disciples how to pray. Right? So this is something we need to pay attention to. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, here it is. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then follows it right back up, reiterates the point again. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
And I really had never, um, honestly, never noticed the reiteration. You know, he comes right back after the prayer and reiterates the point again. So obviously, it's kind of important that we pray about forgiveness, right? And, and it's how we pray matters. Forgiveness is the will of God. Look at, uh, we're going to go back to verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So, literally, this, this forgiveness, like kind of what I mentioned last week, is another way that we bring heaven to earth, right? That is symbolic of heaven. Heaven is a very forgiving place. I mean, obviously, it's filled with a bunch of people that shouldn't be there, but they've been, they're forgiving people. And, and when we forgive people, it is literally bringing heaven to earth. That is the will of God, that, that we would forgive people. And that's why he, he follows it up, and he reiterates it again because of its, its prime importance in our life. So it's obviously essential, and it's also a commandment. This is something that's not optional. There's some things in Scripture, like in the Proverbs we read, those are some good things to live by. You know, maybe we achieve some of those things, maybe we don't. That probably won't impact us, or it could impact us, but maybe not for eternity. But this is something that has eternal consequences to our soul, and that's why there's a must. You must do it. You must forgive. It is a direct commandment. It should be a part of our prayer that our hearts remain steadfast with forgiveness, right? It needs to be constantly on our mind. If it's not, it's not our human inclination to forgive, is it? We don't normally enjoy forgiving people. We like being forgiven. We're a lot like that, that wicked servant. We like being forgiven, but we don't overly enjoy having to forgive other people. That's, that's not exactly fun. But that's why in our prayer life and, and why when, when the disciples are wondering, you know, how should we pray, Jesus reiterates this point twice. You have to forgive other people. And it has to be steadfast and on your mind all the time because it's not your natural instinct to be forgiving towards other people. So think about how hard it is to pray when we are bitter. You know, how hard is it to pray when, you, when you're feeling bitter about a situation? It's very difficult. And bitterness really, in a lot of ways, is, is the opposite of forgiveness, right? Unforgiveness is a, a prime thing that leads us into bitterness. It's very hard to pray when you're feeling bitter about an uh, individual or about something that's happened. You know, we get mad at a lot of things. Some of it we should be mad at, some of it we shouldn't. But man, it can really lead us into bitterness, and then, then we have a very hard time praying. That's another reason why Jesus mentions this twice when, when the disciples are asking about prayers, because he's wanting you to avoid bitterness because it, it's a deterrent to your prayer life. You're not going to pray as much when you're bitter. The will of God cannot be accomplished without the seeds of forgiveness being sown. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about the will of God, and, and Red's always talking about, you know, well, what's the will of God for my life? And he's like, well, it, you know, it's, it's right there in the Word, and it, it's here again with forgiveness, right? That is the will of God for your life. It's very important 
that we forgive other people. And, and sometimes that also involves forgiving yourself, right? That can be difficult. Some of us have a harder, or harder time forgiving our own mistakes. We're not really like the, the wicked servant, but it's still just as bad if we can't come to grips and forgive ourselves because Christ is offering forgiveness, right? So we should be able to forgive ourselves as well. Um, definitely, we have to be able to do that. And, and those things are only accomplished through having the right frame of mind, not thinking like Peter, but thinking like Christ, having the right frame of mind, and also by prayer. Does our prayer life match the Lord's prayer? You know, think about that for a minute. Does, does, does your prayer life in any way, shape, or form match the Lord's prayer? Is our prayer life more self-serving or is it creation serving? See, if, if you read the, um, the prayer that Jesus prays, it's very creation serving. It's not self-serving, but a lot of times we come with our, a, a list of wants and needs and, and ask, and, and that's not a bad thing necessarily because God does want to give us things. But our prayer life needs to be centered around creation and serving creation. How, how can I better be equipped to serve the people that I'm around every day. And, and a central theme of that is I have to be willing to forgive those people. I'm probably going to keep seeing them. And, and I certainly don't want forgiveness to be a reason why I avoid them. Right? But unfortunately, that happens a lot. Matthew 6.15 you know, really sums it up pretty well. But, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You know, a lot of people, you know, Christianity, it's so hard to understand. I just don't get it. You know, I don't understand. But I read a verse like this, and, man, that's pretty easy to understand. You know, that's, uh, that's cut and dry. But I think a lot of times we, we want to avoid uh, these things. And so we act like it's much more difficult um, than it really is. We want to pretend like, uh, you know, the Christian life is such a difficult life, but, but really, Jesus, you know, these parables are on like a third grade reading level. You know, they're really easy to, to comprehend and understand. If you don't forgive people, I won't forgive you. You know, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a simple concept, but we, we pretend like it's, um, like it's a chore. It's, it's very hard to understand when it's not. All right, Mark eleven twenty five. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. So forgiveness is first sown in prayer. You know, we're probably not just going to walk up to someone and just forgive them. Right? Forgiveness, that's normally not what happens. You're a really good person if you do that. That's not me. Um, <laughs> definitely not. But we, we have to pray about it, right? Forgiveness is first on in prayer. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, right? That's the model. We pray about it. That's it's kind of the model for everything that we do in the Christian life. But if we have anything against anyone, you know, there's some of those alls and musts again. Anything. If we have anything against anybody, forgive them, right? That's... That's basic, but it's one of the hardest things that we can do. It's very difficult. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work 
so that we'll forgive them in the right way and we'll say the right thing. You know, you also don't want to walk up to somebody and, and in the process of, you know, uh, seeking forgiveness or giving forgiveness and come off really smug. Like, yeah, man, you're forgiven. You know, like, and, and they not even really feel like they, they did anything. So, like, it's very important that we, we pray and we seek the, the right understanding and, and the right things to say. And that's only going to come through the Holy Spirit. Right, he's the one who gives us the utterance and the things to say. So we have to have an active prayer life if, if forgiveness is really going to be a part of who we are. And, and as we find out in Scripture, it, it has to be a part of who we are. So we must have an active prayer life where forgiveness is constantly sown. Otherwise, we're going to fail in what we're trying to do here. And, and we don't want to do that. So let's have an active prayer life. Um, developing the right frame of mind and maintaining consistent prayer concerning forgiveness will undoubtedly lead us to confession, right? So if we're praying about it, we got the right frame of mind. We're not like Peter, and then we start praying about it. We're at some point going to want to go and confess something to somebody like, um, you know, I've been holding this against you. And, and, and that's the way to approach it. A, a lot of times in our mindset, we want to forgive someone, but we keep thinking about the thing that they, they did, and we're not thinking about what we're holding against them. And that's what Jesus is really cutting at, is not what someone did to you. And he's not belittling that point, but he's really upset at what we hold against each other, right? He, he's, he's a lot more upset at that than he is what they did to you. Because here he's saying, you have to forgive them. Don't hold it against them. And what does that lead to? At least a bitterness, right? Which I said, it impacts our prayer life. But if we're praying the right way, we've got the right frame of mind, it's going to lead to confession. Uh, Psalm 32.5, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. We need to use the same approach when dealing with earthly confessions. That's a perfect model for how we should also deal with earthly confessions if we're wanting to see heaven come to earth, right? We want to live by that same that same model. Well, we confess our sins to one another, and you'll see that in the New Testament. There's a pattern where, especially Paul, you know, confess your sins to the brothers, and we have to be confessing to each other about the things that we're doing, and especially the things that we're holding against each other. And it's very important to come to grips. Concealment, which is something we do a lot, makes forgiveness down the road much more difficult to obtain. But our human instinct is concealment. We want to hide either what we're doing in sin, or we want to hide the fact that we're, we're holding something against someone. But that's just going to, that, that plants bitterness, is holding on to that thing, but we want to conceal it. We don't want people to see that, that we have it, but we also don't really want to get rid of it. And down the road, you know, whether it's weeks, months, or years, forgiveness, both for you and, and you forgiving that other person, are going to be much more difficult to obtain. And so confession instead of concealment has to be the method that we use. We have to confess it, and it's better to do that uh, quick, Right, um, you know, don't be too hasty. Follow the spirit, but we also must do it quick because the longer we hold on to that, we're gonna be tempted to conceal that more and more and more, and eventually, we're 
we're not going to confess it. So, in fact, in the verse following, I'm not going to put it up, but in Psalm 32, 6, uh, Selah says, you are my hiding place. So he confesses to the Lord, then he conceals himself in the Lord, right? But oftentimes we conceal ourselves in ourself, right? But here he's saying, I've confessed my iniquity to you, and I want to hide and conceal myself in you. You are my hiding place. And so that's often in direct contrast to how we approach it. You know, we want to conceal it from other people, and we're not concealing ourselves in the Lord. We're concealing a problem that we have when, when in reality Christ is saying, confess it to me, your sins, and, and I will forgive you, and likewise confess to each other. And, and then everyone, both of you, both parties involved, come and hide yourself in me. And that, that's where we find concealment. It's not in ourselves. If we conceal ourselves in Christ, we're, we're going to be less likely to do things that require forgiveness, right? We're not going to be sinning. And that, that's ultimately uh, what causes us to have to forgive someone. If someone's sinned against us or, or we've trespassed against them. But we need to conceal ourselves in the Lord. Look at James 5.16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, and, and healed here means forgiven, right? Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed or made whole, right? And, and forgiveness brings that. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? So here we see a, the, the same pattern developing. We have to confess. We have the right frame of mind, and, and we're praying, right? All three of those things are, are intertwining here in this particular passage. And, and that is how we get forgiveness, is these three things. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy, right? So we're, we're seeing this pattern clearly developing where where we have the right frame of mind, we don't approach it like Peter, we pray, we seek the Holy Spirit, we seek his utterance, his guidance on how to forgive. You know, I, I tell Anna all the time, you know, you can do good things, but how you do them are really what determines your character, right? So you can go out and you can try to do something good, but it can be a catastrophe because you didn't do it the right way. You, you didn't wait on God, you didn't listen to the Spirit, and it, it was supposed to be a good thing, but we can get involved and really just, just mess it up and flip the mop bucket over. When we can do the same thing with forgiveness. Like I said, we can come across really smug and holier than thou. Like, I forgive you, man. Don't worry about it. You know, we can come across that way when here we, we have to pray. We have to seek the Spirit so we can have, have the right frame of mind, and, and that will lead... To confession. So we must forgive like Corey Ten Boom, right? Where no matter what has happened to us, we're willing to forgive someone. That there can't be a limit, as as Peter tried to set up on forgiveness. There can't be a, a, a sin too great, you know, a, a problem too big that that we're not willing to forgive. And because I know that 
I've, I've had, I've had things happen to me in life that, and we all have, that didn't seem quite fair, but, but God has always answered, answered me, and he's pretty blunt when he speaks with me, because he knows I appreciate that, um, well, you do it to me all the time, you know, and that'll, man, like, yeah, you got me there, like, I, I, I can't be mad at, at someone when they, when they, um, you know, cheat me out and they mess with me and they and they do things that harm me because I've done that to, to Christ countless times, right? So we don't have any right to hold anything against anyone because like Paul said, you know, I'm the lowest of the low, but, you know, uh, but the difference between Paul and other people was he had God and he was willing to forgive people as people forgave him, right, of all the things that he did. And, and that's where we have to be. We have to be willing to forgive. And you can come play. So like I said, I have to have the right frame of mind. We have to analyze forgiveness through prayer. So is my prayer life, like I said, self-serving? Or is it creation-serving? And, and the prayer that Jesus said, this is how you should model your prayer is very creation-serving. You'll not see anything self-serving in that prayer. And then we have to confess our sins and, and our mistakes and our, our iniquities to each other and then conceal ourselves in the Lord. And that way we can be brother and sister and not have infighting. But oftentimes, like I said, we like to conceal what we're doing inside of ourselves. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, right? They knew they had done something wrong. And what's their first reaction? They're going to try to hide. You know, they want to conceal the, themselves away from the thing that, that um, you know, and at that time they, they were scared of God, right, and what he would do. But, but what did God do? Of course, there's a lot of problems and conflicts that have been imposed now because of that. But he still showed them mercy, right? They deserved death but he continued to give them life. And, and that's what God's going to give us. You know, he's going to give us life, even though we deserve death. So, you know, what do we take away from this? What's, what's our plan of action? And it, it starts tonight, you know, right now. We, ha we have to be honest with those close with us. Uh, seek reconciliation, or as the scripture says, healing, right, or forgiveness. You know, maybe you've wronged the person sitting next to you or the person that, you know, at work or, or somebody you know and God's been prompting your heart about the fact that, that what you said wasn't exactly right. You know, maybe you didn't mean to say that, say it like that, but you know it has had an effect on the person. You know, tonight, start seeking that reconciliation. It starts with you, right? Before we can ever approach somebody, it starts within ourselves and developing that frame of mind and, and having a Christ-like mind and then and then praying about it. And that's something we can do tonight too. And then you guys can stand too. And then as we go about our week, um, you know, something we can do is uh, pray about writing or, or calling someone with whom there's been a wrong or, or if you're estranged from somebody, right? Estrangement, uh, God has not created us to be uh, orphans. Right, and, and I don't want orphans running around that, that I've kicked out of my life, you know, because they've, they've wronged me. And so we should always seek reconciliation with people. And, and it's a fact that those people might not really want it with you, 
and that's okay. You'll move on down the line, but we have to seek that first, and, and, it, and it's a commandment that's been given to us. So I just want us all to take a few moments tonight and think about these things. You know, ask the question, God, is there somebody that, that I've wronged? You know, and lie my eyes to the fact that, that I might have wronged somebody, and, and how can I reconcile, you know, what, what I've wronged, or, or maybe somebody's wronged you. You know, how can I come to grips with being okay with that? So just take a few moments tonight and think about those things and, and let God and the Holy Spirit speak to your heart.